Hello, hello. Welcome one and welcome all to the Around the World podcast. I am your host, the one, the only Clark Van Deventer. And today on the podcast, it's an installment of, it is our fourth installment of, why don't we do that? A new series on the podcast where I interview interview interesting people and ask them questions about curious things they have observed in their travels around the world. <laughs> All right. What I have typically done on the podcast, if you have been following along, I am introducing you to some country. Right? So we're touring around this amazing planet that we call Earth. And this is a spinoff of the class I have been teaching online for four years, guiding a group of students around the world. This class is around the world with Mr. Clark. You can find online. Uh, they meet on Zoom. We get a look at these places in VR. All right. Links in the show notes. All right, episode 61 of the podcast just published a few days ago on Cuba, was wrapping up three weeks in the Caribbean, and we are now heading to North America, the North American mainland, and into Central America, which is a region of the world I have spent a fair amount of time in. So I'm excited to share with, with my students in class and with you on the podcast. Um, I've been to every country in the Caribbean except one. My wife and I, not my wife and I, my wife and my son went to Belize earlier this year, but I have still not been to Belize. Anyway, anyway, around the time I was starting the Around the World podcast, which was me just sharing these countries I'm teaching about in class every week on the podcast, right? I, I wanted to start a, a second podcast. I had an idea for a whole nother pod, podcast, and I wanted to call that one why don't we do that? And what I later figured out was that these two ideas, they go together. And so rather than starting a whole separate podcast, I just needed to start a why don't we do that series and make it a part of this one. So the idea is, here's the basic idea. As a traveler, when I visit a new country, I don't expect it to look like my home country, the United States, right? In fact, I want it to look different. That's why I got on the plane. All right, but my home country, the United States, is a country of immigrants. We take the best stuff from all over the world and we make it ours. Like about the most American thing I can do is travel around the world, find cool stuff and bring it home, right? So when I'm traveling to another country and I see them doing cool things, um, I, rather than being judgmental and saying like, why do they do that? Right? Why do they do it that way? What I should be saying is like, wow, that is so cool. Why don't we do that? Um, so in this series, I'm just interviewing people who have similar experiences traveling around the world. Where have you traveled? What have you seen them doing? Like, how can we bring that home and make it ours? All right. So on deck today, we have two amazing human beings. Oh, I love, I love JT and Lydia. I never, like, they... JT and Lydia, never, never have they entered my mind and I and I, my heart not just immediately be warmed. Um, so I'm just going to start out this intro and tell you that JT and Lydia Gardner hold a special place in my heart. And when I was wrapping up my Zoom call with them, right, like I interviewed them on Zoom, I clicked in record. And then we debriefed for a few minutes. And I told them during that debrief, I'm like, look, you guys are always welcome in my house. Are you want to come stay with us for a while? You're welcome here. <laughs> Our house is always open to you. I met JT and Lydia when uh, I was living with my family in Guatemala. Uh, now, JT and Lydia had to remind me of some of the exact timeline of this during our interview, but... They got married in April, and then they moved to Guatemala in May on a very loose, 
very open-ended sort of internship or fellowship or arrangement. Um, JT had all this video equipment that he had acquired of him playing with. And it was like, look, we're just going to come to Guatemala and play with this video equipment down there and try to be useful in helping this humanitarian organization down there in Guatemala tell their story. Uh, okay, so that humanitarian organization was Cultiva International, which I was deeply involved with. And so that's how I got to know JT and Lydia. And they were just staying in this little room, in this little little hostel that, that Cultiva operated. Um, and man, we spent a lot of time together. Our time in Guatemala overlapped by just two months. But during those two months, JT and Lydia were like family. Um, they, Our son was not in Guatemala at the time. Uh, he was with grandma and grandpa and his aunt in, um, in California. But our daughters who were with us in Guatemala, they, we were just like a family, all of us hanging out. We had meals together. We did some epic hikes together. Uh, JT and Lydia have now been married for two and a half years. JT is a student at Brigham Young University and will graduate in April with a degree in international relations. Lydia is working as a high school seminary teacher for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and is working on a master's degree in organizational leadership through Gonzaga University. Again, um, couple spent their first summer as as a married couple in Guatemala. The following year, JT was doing research in Spain and Morocco with one of his professors. So Lydia decided to study Spanish and live in Barcelona while he studied um their time in Spain was special because JT had lived in various locations throughout Spain for two years while he was serving as a missionary. Um, JT spent time in Mexico and Peru on humanitarian trips while in high school. So, um, right, their move to Guatemala to hang out with us with Cultiva was just a continuation of, of you know, his investment and involvement and heart for humanitarian work. Um, I, I love following them on Instagram. They're always, they always have something inspirational to share. They're always doing cool things. They love doing, here's a, here's what I love. They love doing hard things together. They have completed several marathons and they are just fun. They're fun. You can follow them on Instagram and watch them ride their tandem bike around Utah. I admire them. I, okay, let me just say this. I believe they are already a force in this world. But, like, they are a young couple. And I, and I don't want to say, I, I don't want to say I can't wait to see what they do. Right? You know how people say this about young people sometimes? I can't wait to see what they do. Because they are already doing meaningful things. But... But I, I will say, over the long haul, I can't wait to see what they do. And I will be cheering for them all along the way. I have a letter they wrote to me and my family just before we left Guatemala. That letter, tucked away in one of my journals, is a treasure. Uh, unsurprisingly, given my introduction, in this conversation, we focus on España. We focus on the country of Spain. All right, so without further ado... Please enjoy this interview with my very special friends, JT and Lydia Gardner. Oh, JT, Lydia, welcome to the program. Hey, Clark. It's good to be with you, my friend. Oh my gosh, it is so much fun to see you guys on Zoom. Haven't had a haven't had a conversation like this in well it's been a while since we were in guatemala together yeah it's been a long time it's fun to see your face it's bringing back so many crazy silly memories of hiking through the jungle and and eating yummy food together so this is fun we had a really special time in guatemala how but we overlapped by a couple of months 
Yeah. You guys took off just before we were there a little bit longer after you guys, but that was special. So, okay, wait, let's, let's just allow the audience to catch up and kind of find, like follow the JT and Lydia train when, okay. Like how did you end up in Guatemala? Oh, great question. So I'm an international relations uh, major presently at uh, Brigham Young University and I was just anxious to get out and see the world, uh, get out and uh, participate. In many cases, I was usually like the guest or sometimes the recipient of a program rather than someone maybe on the other side trying to help carry out a program, if that makes sense. And so I was anxious to get involved that way. And so Lydia, her father had worked with with Greg, uh, our friend, before and he connected us with him uh, i don't know if there's anything you want to add yeah so jt and i got married in april and then yeah at the end of may we That's were right. flying down to guatemala that was okay, good so okay let's just help the audience like get up to speed right so greg just for context greg is the founder of cultiva international we the three of us were all involved with this humanitarian organization in guatemala together uh, and then, so this was April, you got married in April of? 2021. 2021. Yeah. And then you moved to Guatemala in May of 2021. Yeah. <laughs> I had kind of forgotten that. I mean, I knew you guys were, I knew you guys were newlyweds, but I didn't realize how newlyweds you were. <laughs> yeah, we were pretty fresh, but it was honestly the best thing for us. It was so cool to be in a different place and we really had to rely on each other. Yeah. Through. That's what I wanted ultimately was to just really get out and just be together so it's great so, it, was, it was a better than a honeymoon <laughs> so obviously there's a desire to to get out and see the world where did that desire come from um well i kind of stumbled onto it in high school uh my first or just my yeah first year of high school i was with a group that went down to mexico and it was just by virtue of being with the right friend group, I would maybe say. Um, but it was my first time ever. Um, but it was uh, my first time taking like any kind of trip outside of the United States ever. And I literally had my mind just blown. We went to Tijuana, Mexico. Mm-hmm. And for context, that is not exactly like your biggest representation of all of Mexico, but it's this little beautiful border, border town and um, it just changed like me so deeply that I was just like, I need to have more experiences like this where I don't like my frame of reference is totally checked, if that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. um, I'd never really experienced or seen poverty to that scale. And so it almost became, I don't want to say like an addiction, but uh, uh, like I really was so blown away and then also just touched by the people. Sorry, that was a little long-winded conversation for you but I can got any comment for you but uh that was that was truly it was just this and I was really young when it happened but I, I remember there was this particular moment where I was sitting and there was this little boy that was um in this yard next to us and he um was playing with some barbed wire and I was really touched like well one I wanted to grab him and like take him away from the barbed wire I was like how could he be living in this but then I realized like that was his backyard yeah and right it, it really changed my outlook on life uh, and made me want to understand how people grow up in these kinds of situations, what like drives them. And I don't know if that was a long winded answer, but those are, those are some of the drivers that made me want to travel. Lydia, what about you? Great question, Clark. I grew up in a really small town in the middle of Idaho <laughs> in a very like conservative area. And I feel like growing up, I was just itching to be able to go and see the rest of the world. And I grew up in a family where we were blessed to travel the United States. And I felt like I learned so much about our country, but I was, I was so excited and so curious, honestly, to learn about how the rest of the world sees things and how the rest of the world celebrates and what they eat and what they speak. And so when I married JT, who was an international relations major, I was so excited to jump in to the rest of the world with him. Yeah. And I, I think that her, her dad too, she, she, uh, left and was living in Texas for a while. And while she was gone, her her, her dad and um, her family, they went to Guatemala and just talked about a lot of the experiences that they had there. And 
that made her definitely, at least I would understand. No, I agree 100%. Yeah. So. So we could have a ton of fun. And in fact, we did have a little bit of fun before I clicked record, reminiscing about our times together in Guatemala. But so we could have a whole, certainly a whole conversation, a whole podcast episode on Guatemala. But today we are actually focusing on a different country you have some experiences in, and that is the country of Spain. España. <laughs> yes, we love that place. All right, let's talk. Let's just start here. What do you love about Spain? Oh, so much, Clark. Oh my goodness, food, the people, uh, the beautiful scenery, uh, so much history. It's so so rich there. Uh, I don't know. What would you say? Yeah, I I had the opportunity. I lived in Barcelona for a month studying Spanish. And something that I love about Spain is their culture is a lot more laid back than here in the United States. I feel in our country, we're always rushed to our next meeting. We're rushed to like dance practice or football practice and this appointment. And there's so much speed in our country. And something I loved about Spain is everything. Everybody seemed to take everything a little bit slower. And when you go to a restaurant, you're there for two, three hours, right? You're taking time. You're not there to to get food and get out. And something that I loved about Spain is I felt like I was, my soul was able to like slow down, <laughs> like calm down and be able to enjoy and appreciate things so much more than I ever did here in the United States. <laughs> um, all right. You just cut right to the chase <laughs> and, and I love it. And, and let's just stick with this for a while. The pace of life is something that has come up in multiple interviews I've done with guests and multiple personal and private conversations I've had with people about life. And as we look at life in other countries, the rest of the world seems to be moving at a much slower pace. But isn't like America is geared toward production, baby. We're getting stuff. Done. <laughs> totally. So, like, do we celebrate the production of America or and just say that's who we are? We need to keep, we shouldn't change who we are? Or do we have something to learn from Spain or some of these other countries that I've been talking with people about? I think you bring up a great point. I, I was just listening to a podcast and they, gave a statistic that the United States, they call it the no vacation nation. Mm -hmm. We have less vacation days than any other country um, in the world. And uh, it's even funny in our culture too, sometimes we almost wear it like a badge. Mm -hmm. Like I'm busy, therefore I am productive. I am insert quality, right, important, right. right. We have this feeling that uh, it equates to greatness. And I think that you could draw some lines of, you know, you could draw your own conclusions from that. But I, I would agree with with Lydia that uh, there is a certain benefit that comes to your life from just remin like reminiscing or reflecting. It can only come with um, time and um, like the space to do that. And I think that we might even be a better people or a better, more productive um, nation, as you said. If we if we were to to do that, if that makes sense, I don't know. That that's maybe just <laughs> me pop and smoke there, but I agree. Understand. So, Lydia, you spent a month in Barcelona. JT, mm -hmm. what about you? Tell me about your experience in Spain. Um, I was so I initially went to Spain not like by choice, but I served as a missionary for my church, and they assigned me that area to as like a ministry, mm -hmm. and I lived there for two years. Um, but actually following as part of my my like my studies here, I also went there to do some research. So I spent about three months in Morocco and in um, Spain. And uh, it was really cool to be able to look at it even at like a statistical level sometimes mm -hmm. talking and having these conversations and running surveys or what have you. Um, was a really interesting view to look at it as well, um, but yeah, that was that was at least what initially drew me. But I wanted to obviously get back. It wasn't like it happened 
happened by chance. I sought out this opportunity right. to search there. So, so you you talk about they 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 move a little more slowly, but talk to me about the rhythm of life. What does a day look like for people living in Spain? Oh man, that's such a great question, and I think it's different for different people in different stages of life and with different occupations. But I think some core things that I'll never forget are just like the bakeries that are everywhere and like the croissants and different things that you can purchase for breakfast. And um, for me, my Spanish classes, like because I, I've grown up the way that I have, I was early, like five minutes early on time. And I would be like the only one in my class. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not just like come slowly later. Some people like wouldn't even show up for two to three hours because What's interesting about Barcelona is there's a very large like nightlife there's a huge party. Nightlife. <laughs> but yeah. if you're into that, like Spain is a great place to vacation for a lot of fun night parties. Um, and then the afternoon, their lunches were a little bit later. Yeah, and they have a, a, a what's called a siesta. Mm-hmm. So people will just not go to work. Like uh, halfway through the day, they'll come home and they will take a nap. <laughs> and close. Shops close. Uh-huh. Everything's yeah, uh, closed at that hour. And yeah, then walk out on the street, and you're like, I you you want a snack or you want to go do something, and everything's it's like a yeah. ghost town. It it's is almost- ghost towny, yeah. But then even at night too, you'll I had so many wonderful memories of me walking around the streets of, uh, particularly in Valencia, and you just have people just sitting out. They have these patios out, and they're all eating what are these little these little dishes called tapas. And they just will spend time out there with their friends, talking in the street, eating and drinking. It's just, it's just, it is, it is very um, beautiful, honestly. Yeah. Another interesting thing about Spain is when they do have dinner, it's at least eight, nine, it's ten, 10 at night. Yeah. And that was something that was hard for me to adjust to. Is I was like six o'clock, I'm ready for dinner, <laughs> and. That's not how you do it there. It's yeah. a lot later and a, a longer event than it is here. Talk to me about community because an observation that I am just keeps coming back to me is that Americans are isolated, right? We have a, um, a loneliness epidemic. We have, particularly among teens, Right where they feel isolated, and I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen some of the stats on, on how depressed our youth are today. Um, community, community in Spain, what's it like? How how do people connect with their family, with their community, with their neighbors, and how is that different than in the United States? You know, it's interesting you bring that up because. Like I won't. I don't want to pretend like it's a you know utopia over there. I right. uh, I definitely ran into a lot of people that had lost contact with their family or had stringent ties, if at all. Um, so there's definitely uh, some of the same issues you might see here there. But I think there's also a certain thing about what I really appreciate is these ideas that you have these a lot of festivals. Um. And it seemed like almost every other week there was some kind of new party or holiday, holiday or party, and you would see. It was just really cool. Uh, obviously, just from an outsider looking at it, like from a culture perspective, like cool traditions that they do. But you'd saw, see a lot of people coming together, and um, I, I mean, was it whether it was like a what was that one thing? What is that called? The uh, Dia de San Juan. Or is on- yeah, they, well, there's so many ideas they but uh lots of lots of things, but what's that one thing in um oh in Catalonia the torres de... oh yeah, they have these oh towers, like these human towers where they would climb on top of each other, and so like the uncle would stand at the bottom and then the aunt would climb up, and then like the cousin would stand up and then like little brother, and so they'd have these towers of just. Like eight, nine, ten. It was hard not to get emotional watching these things. Interesting. Just because it is such a, I don't know. And what was the, do you know the purpose of these towers? I mean, it was a tradition, but where did the tradition come from? 
That's a great question, Clark. I would love to do research on that. But I think JT said it correctly that it's like it's an emotional thing watching these little kids climb up their aunts and uncles and other people to stand on top of each other. And wow, yeah, when you think of community, right? You know, those towers are such a great representation of. I think it's like it's like an acrobatic act, kind of like a performance. It's meant to be a form of entertainment, but they'll gather together in the square. They'll have like a competition too. But you'll have like, I mean, the whole crowd is like leading into these this one little group of people that is like climbing up on top of each other. That's that's a cool. And, do you remember what festival was this again? Oh man, they do it almost all like Yeah, the these Catalonia at least. These towers are pretty frequent. I don't Okay. Say. It's not tied to any one festival. Yeah. Not necessarily one festival. Yeah. But if you haven't, you gotta look it up because it is a really cool it's a cool thing. Yeah, to watch. Very cool. As an American, okay, well, we're, we're, we've been doing a little Spain love fest here, but as an American, <laughs> uh, bringing your American values and just your your own sense of what's normal into Spain, what drove you crazy? Hmm. Oh, well, I mean, this is, I mean, I one thing that I, 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 and I did mention this a little bit before, but I think there is a sense of, um, like individuality um, that was obviously not completely like absent in our culture. I don't want to pretend, but um, like an increased value of um, like scholastic and intellectual um, affairs more than sometimes values that we like well, I mean, and I can't pretend, pretend like everyone in the United States thinks this way, but obviously I value the family. Uh, uh -huh. Trying to build strong bond between family is something that's super important, and that's not always necessarily the case. Uh, and I would say as well, too, uh, speaking about Spain, you also have to recognize there's tons of immigrants that are in that country that also feel very differently from other people. Um, and so sometimes... Uh, watching it was interesting as well as I was doing research. Seeing sometimes the and uh, xenophobia that sometimes is is apparent. They've they're handling a ton of refugees flooding over through um, throughout all the European Union, um, but there's definitely a sense of uh, xenophobia and uh, also apparent in our own country as well. But just a a pushing out and kind of a, a anti um, foreign sentiment. Um, or, you know, I, I, understandably, right? There's tons of people that are coming every mm. every year because of the their closeness to to Africa or to the Mediterranean. So, but those are some of the things that I think I struggled with. Uh, but I can't pretend like it's not something I, don't, I haven't seen it myself as well. So, right. Uh, one word of caution if you're ever going to Spain is definitely beware of pitpocketers. Like it's pretty bad especially in Barcelona so just make sure you have everything like in front of you where you could see it that was something that um I was very cautious of and saw a lot of yeah I did have my money but once but I mean I think that's a, a typical thing of yeah and our right, cities, right? So, yeah I'm just curious would you say that about other places you've traveled yes yes <laughs> I would definitely say that about other places I've traveled to but because I, I mean I always put like I have been I've only been robbed one time in my life, and I was in the United States, not yeah while traveling. <laughs> no, totally true. Yeah, and all, and the, I always the other thing I tell people is that in all my travels, there's only been one time I felt unsafe, mm. and that was not abroad. That was in the United States. That was in Miami. Right. And, um. Now, going back to Guatemala. I mean, I can go to Wikipedia and I can see what the crime stats are for Guatemala. Right. I know there's crime in Guatemala. Um, and I remember one time I was in a particular place and I was like, like, okay, all, all that crime happens somewhere. Like, maybe it's right here. <laughs> like, So, yeah, it does happen, right? Yeah. But I, I make a good point too, though. It's like it happens in America too. It happens all over, and even in worse in many cases. Yeah. So, uh, if we were in Spain together, walking through a market or sitting in a cafe, 
what would be the thing that you were excited to point out to me because I wouldn't notice it if you didn't point it out? That you wouldn't notice. Oh, I know. I was immediately thinking of like La Sagrada Familia, but you would notice that. Well, yeah. First okay. So we can, we can get back to Sagrada Familia in just a minute. But so I, I think I was thinking about this like in Guatemala. I don't know if you guys observe this in Guatemala. I, I call it, um, uh, I, I call it like good Samaritan entrepreneurship. It's like, mm -hmm. the, uh, you know, and there'll be, there'll be people who are actually, um, patching potholes there. They are actually making their own asphalt with, they're taking their own money. Right. And they're buying the supplies and they are actually fixing potholes and nobody pays them except for people driving by will throw money out of their car, right? And say like, hey, thanks for doing that, right? And I, I saw things like, like there was many times where I drove by that and I didn't understand what was happening until later someone explained it to me, like this is what's happening. And I was like, whoa, I've, I've seen that 20 times before. I just didn't know what was going on. So uh, I'm trying to think of like, or get you to think of what is an equivalent of that in Spain, like something that could be happening right in front of me that I wouldn't see unless you explained it to me. Uh, I think that, I don't know, visually it'd be hard to say, but one thing that I know that is pretty unique is uh, Spain. It may not have like the greatest national pride, but if you talk to anyone about their region or their city, they just light up. Mm. They are so proud of, and like to kind of to your point, well, uh, like they 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 take pride in their in their city, and that that might mean um, supporting locally, um, they or shopping at these like maybe smaller stores, um, rather than maybe buying I don't know your international brands or, mm -hmm. or you, but they they they're they're very proud of. Um, they're very proud of their their region. I don't know what you had to say. Well, yeah, going off of that, when I went to Barcelona, I expected everything to be in Spanish, right? I was there to learn Spanish. But JT has talked a lot about like Catalonia, and they actually have a different dialect there. It's Catalan. And they would argue language, of course. <laughs> yeah, and what was beautiful, though, was like the woman that I stayed with, she would speak to her daughter, and I would always freak out because I was like, I would call JT, and I was like, I don't understand what she's saying. I'm not very good at Spanish yet. Like, I'm not learning. And he's like, but no, no, she's speaking Catalan. Like, that's a totally different thing. <laughs> and that was such a beautiful experience to pick up on. And I, and I would read, she had a little daughter who was like five or six, and I would read her books at night. But they were all in Catalan, so I had no idea yeah. what they were about. But so it's, Yeah, yeah, you might, be, you might be struck by the amount of signs that wouldn't be in the language that you think it'd be in. You have Galician, you have Euskera, you have... Uh, like in the Basque countries, get it? You have Valenciano is even its its own its own language, and so uh, that and as well, flags for each of their own regions are very much hung, if not in conjunction more than the the national flag. So that's something that I would maybe point out. Would you say that people and they have more pride in that than they do in their own? Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's not a. I I would not say that's a U.S. thing. No. Correct. Now, I feel, I will say, I feel really um, proud of California. Mm -hmm. So now I live in Alabama now. And I'll tell you, in California, I I fly a California state flag at my house. I love California. I, I, I'm not yet flying an Alabama state flag at my house in Alabama. But and and I don't know that people have that same. No, in the South there is. I mean, maybe I'm thinking more about football. Yeah, right? yeah. like Tennessee. Oh, we just had an Alabama football game over the weekend, right? And there's definitely pride, but maybe it's more associated with football teams than it is actually loving your state. I I don't know. Well, what's funny too is, and you can ask people in Spain about this, but the only time they really see people see the, like national pride is in the World Cup. Yeah, and that. I mean, they come out to play like they are so pumped, but like they're like other than that, frankly, and I think it has something to do with a little bit of their political history. Um, they had a really hard regime for a very long time, mm -hmm. very heavy handed. 
um, until about the 1970s. And so I think that that's part of the reason that that's that way. But uh, even as you're talking, another thing that I, sorry, I'm not kind of speaking at it, no, but you go. Um, the, an interesting thing is that they don't have high school sports like we would hear in the United States. And, and in fact, that's such a foreign thing to so many people. Yeah. Uh, I think that that is sometimes too... A, a difficult thing for a lot of the youth where if you are involved or if your parents go, don't go out of the way to pay for you to be a part of some of these programs, they have an incredible way to get you through college. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think that, I, I mean, a lot of them do play soccer or uh, in the case football, but they don't have like, um, like a rec league or they don't have like a, like a school sponsored program, which anyways, which is, I got, I think about this a little bit and I've been thinking about it more lately, about how much of an investment we make in the United States on youth sports. But that doesn't exactly translate into active adults. Now, you guys live, you're living in Utah, which is super, right? Like, Utah is very outdoor-oriented, right? You have people, and Lydia, you're right. You come from a family that that's very active, right? Triathlons and Ironmans, right? But but I mean, like living in Alabama now, it's like you have all these people who who are super invested in sports and, and until you're 18, until you graduate high school, and then you're like done with sports. It's like the rest you you play sports until you're 18, and then you spend the rest of your life drinking beer and watching people play sports. <laughs> yeah. But in Spain, what you're telling me is that there's less of an emphasis on youth sports, but are, are people active? Yeah, I, I was actually they, thinking about this earlier, Clark. It's what something else that I really loved about Spain is people walk everywhere. Like everything's in a city center and sure you can take the metro, but like nobody has a car, a so you car. walk everywhere. And so that's a natural way for everyone to get like that exercise, I guess. And here in the United States, when I came back, I was like, oh man, I have to get my car and drive places. Like I can't just walk to work. I can't just walk to church. I have to get in my car and drive. And I, that's something that I loved about Spain is you walk everywhere. And so I think that's, I wish that's something that the United States could do better at is planning their cities better to have more walking routes. Yeah, and I, I think that might be virtue of us just living in a... But we are a very car-centered nation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have interstates. We have all these all this infrastructure that's centered around. And even a lot of our cultural aspects, right? We have, like, drive-in movie theaters. We have, like, you know... Uh, but whereas where they have parks and you walk past the park to, to go, to, go um, to work or you grab your groceries and you walk with them in your hands. So I, I think that that... <laughs> plays into a factor as well. And yeah, you see plenty of, plenty of people um, out walking and running in the mornings. Uh, I think another a, a fascinating thing, though, is that, and I think this is Europe at, at large, uh, there's still a huge smoking uh, culture that has been all but wiped out in the United States, right? We, I mean, I don't pretend like it's completely gone, but it's right. much less of a, of a, of a habit. Um, right. Probably then than in Spain. But I would say, yeah, they're definitely an active, and they definitely eat healthier than we do. Holy cow. They definitely eat healthier than we do. Where do they eat? I mean, a Mediterranean diet. Isn't that what everybody says is so good for you? <laughs> you got seafood. You have this great bread. I mean, not to say the bread's the best for you, but yeah, seafood. They have uh, these cheeses, and they are a lot more of just like, um, not as, not not fast food or process less processed food yeah like sure they have mcdonald's and other fast food places but it's not like the popular easy access like you're much it's much easier to just stop at a little cafe or grab a fruit on the street than it is like make your way to a mcdonald's if that makes sense yeah they don't have a drive-through <laughs> going back to the pace of life is there something about the pace of life in america that requires us to go to the Jack in the Box drive-through. Yeah. Oh man, Jack in the Box. <laughs> okay. You're right. Totally. I mean, we. That is a thing. That's a great point. They value sitting down and eating. Uh huh. Just as 
a means to perpetuate your life and to continue to work harder, but as an experience. Yeah. Uh, that means both eating and tasting your food, as well as talking to the person you're sitting down with. And I think that that is a, I mean, I would love to do that better. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there are like health nuts in Spain who are like eating protein bars and things like that, but isn't, isn't there something so like utilitarian about a protein bar or a, a protein shake that has, it's like, I don't value even the taste of food. I just need X number of grams of protein in my diet. Right. Probably. As opposed to like, I'm going to enjoy the process of cooking food and sitting down with people. That is a great way of putting it. And I, I, I mean, we have our, we have our Jimmy Dean microwave meals and our, you know, our, uh, and I, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, it's, it's understandable and I, I can't pretend like I don't do it, <laughs> you know, right. but, uh, it's definitely, I mean, even in the siesta itself, it's, it's time away from your work to go and spend time with your, um, your family or with yourself eating and really savoring that time. Yeah. If you could snap your fingers or wave your magic wand and one thing, all right, this is the, why, why don't we do that, right? There is one thing that they do in Spain that you could make a part of life in the United States. What would it be? I'll go first if that's okay. For me personally, I love the festivals and the holidays. Like JT said earlier, here in the United States, we hardly have vacation days. But I was shocked. I was going to the Spanish class and... Once a week, every other week, they're like, oh, wait, don't come on Thursday because that's this holiday. I was like, oh, wait, what? Like, I didn't that. And, and they don't. Like, they take that day off and, and they celebrate and they come together as a community. And they have, there was one night there was like fireworks. So they have special desserts that are specific for this specific holiday. And I loved being part of a culture that took time to celebrate. And I wish that's something we did better in the United States. And sure, we have Christmas and Thanksgiving and Halloween, and we're about to get to all of those. But I wish that we had a few more days off to celebrate the good things in life. I think life goes by too fast, and we don't take time to stop and enjoy it enough. I, I think I'll even just piggyback off of that. I just, at the end of our life, I don't think... I mean, I know I probably won't look back and say, man, I wish I could have just gotten like one more work hour in, you know, like could have crammed that bad boy. Uh, like <laughs> we don't live for those things, but, and, and I don't want to detract, like I have a really, I'm a very uh, grateful for the heritage of hard work mm -hmm. that in, in our nation to where it has been and the things that we've gone through yeah. and the hardship, you know, um, like I, I, I come from a family and a lot of us like, they came across the plains. They had to push these like little hand carts, you know, and I, I looked to that to help me um, in hard times. But I, I, I think at the same at the same time, there's so much that we uh, can miss out on. Um, in fact, like towards the end of my time when I was, um, this is so silly, but uh, I, when I was there as a missionary, um, I would, I was coming to the close of my time there and I would actually like just try and like really cherish the moments that I had there. And there's this, this walk that I would do back to my apartment and I would just like let my hands like run on the top of the bushes um, that were next to our apartment just to feel it. And like, I don't want to say like stop and smell the roses, but like, I think that that is something that I really have been blessed to learn from. I mean, this power of stillness um, from other cultures that have maybe, I have developed that ability way more than, than I ever have. So I think cherishing and and learning to appreciate those times, the times that we do ultimately will most care about in our lives. Yeah. So the the perspective of time. All right. Now I'm going to circle us back to the Sagrada Familia. And one of my favorite things about the Sagrada Familia is the architect uh, Gaudi was asked about the time, the project timeline. <laughs> yes, I love this quote. And and he's, again, we are so driven in the United States. We've got to get things done right now. But he said, um, when, when the comment was made about how he would never see done in his lifetime, it was like, well, I, my client's not in a hurry. 
right? And his client was God, right? Who has a different perspective on time than we have. But talk to me about Sagrada Familia. Oh my goodness. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful emotional location. Something that I love about La Sagrada Familia is that the beautiful architect about Jesus Christ is on the outside. And I feel like sometimes there's that stereotype of like, oh, I can't go into church. Like I can't go in and worship. I'm not good enough or I've messed up or that that church will burn down if I go inside of it. And one thing that I love about La Sagrada Familia is that the Savior is on the outside. So even if you're not inside, you can still see him and worship him and integrate him into your life. And I admire that so much about that beautiful building. Mm. And I think, I mean, even Gaudi himself is just a cool guy to learn, learn about. Uh, he, I mean, his story is so incredible where he dedicates his life day in and day out. And then he ends up dying at his tragic death, kind of by virtue, ironically, of the lack of some of the values that uh, he was trying to help influence in society, right? He was he was so poor because he was always trying to get money for this. He looked like a beggar and he was hit by a train. Yeah. And died because, not because he was out, you know, without ability to be saved at the time, but nobody stopped to help him because they thought, him. they thought he was just a beggar. Right. And here was this person who was there already at that point a cultural icon, someone that, you know, they put up on this pedestal and um, we failed to recognize, they failed to recognize someone that was bringing such a beautiful thing. And I, I, and the amount of detail and, and, and effort that he put into his efforts, at least for me, um, in my own devotions to God, um, like it, it moves me thinking about like how much he's he how much work he put in and thinking about and trying to make something beautiful, um, like you said for for God. So I I I really love the building. It's beautiful. This is to me. I, I can't tell you how much I wrestle with this concept the back and forth that we're having in this conversation of slow down, rest, relax, have a long meal, right? Versus I've like, I've got things I want to do and things I want to build. Right. And, um, and Gaudi wanted to build a, a church to the glory of God. And he was motivated by that and gave it his, like his life's energy Right. Um, so there's this being torn between production and rest. I think what you're telling me is they they have a balance. I mean, and that's that's like the question of life, isn't it, Clark? Is trying to find that balance for each of us individually. And um, shoot, I personally, I just keep thinking back to Gaudi and his relationship with God and his thoughts. Uh, being led to that calling to build that. And like, personally, I think that's why it's important that we keep God in our lives to help us find that balance between the busyness and slowing down. Or even earlier, JT mentioned our ancestors, like the pioneers following their carts across the plains, but even they stopped on Sundays mm -hmm. and all on Sundays. And I, I think there's an importance of, I don't know if it's a, a day for you or an hour of your day, but whatever it looks like for you to take time out to remember and prioritize what's most important in your life but i i think sorry no what you think uh stephen covey called it sharpening the saw mm -hmm. and i think sometimes it's okay well then you're just sharpening so you could do like you're just still like trying to be <laughs> but i think that uh right if, even if your end all goal is to be the most productive human in the, in the world right um there is going to be a time when you've got to take a moment to reflect and improve and try and become better. Um, but that's like a hard balance to strike. I, I don't know. Like I don't have the remedy for. I wish I did. <laughs> no, in, in, Spain, no, in Spain, no one, no one would feel guilty about uh, a three hour dinner. Now, would they, if they did that five nights a week, would they feel guilty about it? No. Which is <laughs> in our culture, would do you think you would feel guilty about? Absolutely. Yeah, no, no one would feel so. No one would feel guilty about about taking a siesta right. in the United States, right? No one would feel guilty about doing that five days a week in the United States. 
or or in in Spain, right? Like, well, we would have major guilt over that in the United States if you took. Yeah, it's interesting. So it's not so much. I, I feel like what we, the lesson maybe we need to take is we have to build safeguards into our life and not feel guilty. Yeah, I think guilt is the right word. I I actually really appreciate and resonate that word. But yeah, we feel shame and we feel guilt when we're not being productive. Or maybe even concerned that people will perceive you as being what you don't want them to perceive you as, right? Yeah. I care too much about what other people think. And yeah, we need to be more like the Spaniards and slow down and take time to appreciate what's right before us. Yeah. All right. This has been a super fun conversation. Anything else? Any anything else on life in Spain? Uh, I just I just love those people. I think that it was a beautiful opportunity for us to spend. She got to live in the home of uh, this wonderful Spanish uh, Spanish citizen and just interact with with them. And I think that there I would love to see. I'm from this like little nobody knows my little town in in Utah. And I since honestly I've been like repping my town. Like go Linden, Utah. Like I I love no there's no one knows but i love the place you know and i'd love to have the that little bit of because i think it's those people that you know pick up trash when they see out on the street right like you said they fill potholes um and they they they, they care about what's happening in their in their community and uh that's something that i that i really appreciate and want to try and re- replicate in my own life so yeah no it's a country that's had a huge impact on us and i i feel like perhaps we rom- romanticize it as well For sure. because of the experiences that we've had but it's not without problems. It's yeah. not without problems. But I'd also say for anyone that's like listening, like go, like go and do the the crazy thing that you're like, I don't know if I should, like, and 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 like do it with someone that you you want to like bond with. Like, there's nothing that's done anything more for my wife and I than being together and experiencing beautiful things together, mm-hmm. and, and uh, be able to like in these moments, like with Clark, to be able to think back on and to reminisce. And uh, I would just. Like, go and do it, uh, and it, you won't regret it. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. All right, guys. Pleasure to have you on. Hey, thanks, Clark. Thank, Thank you. you. Lots. Love you lots.